Welcome, everybody, to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, the podcast dedicated to Friday Night Lights. And today, we'll be talking about episode four of season four called A Sort of Homecoming. And with me again is Russ Palsgrove and Pat Ward. Welcome, guys. Hey, hey what's going on? And uh, just going to talk about the episode and some things that stood out to us, some things that may be head scratchers. And maybe last week, we started talking about things that may be shark jumpers of sorts with the with the episode and the, and the plot and storylines, and so we may t- tackle a few of those as well. But um, on the front end, what did you guys think about episode four compared to last week? I, I thought it was a lot better than last week. I started out last week's show kind of negatively, but I thought this one was a lot better. I, I was more engaged with it. I'll make a more intelligent statement that way. I, I was glad they let us up from the Coach Taylor's. Things just keep getting worse and worse for him. I'm glad there was a little bit of hope. Yeah, he seemed pretty mopey last week of sorts, I guess you could say, where he was – nothing was going right. But I did notice this week that Under Armour also provided some practice jerseys for the guys. And so <laughs> maybe that's why the bill is so high. The, it looked like their practice jerseys were nice white away jerseys. I thought it was funnier. I laughed a lot. I thought it was kind of white, actually, because there's, there's a whole lot of different – there are just a lot of jokes, I felt like, yeah. in the story. And I like I liked that. I felt like it – this is a good Friday Night Lights episode just because it, it was it was lighter, but it still moved the story along. So, I thought by, the, far, I thought by far the best joke in the in the episode was Riggins' uh, thirty three hunting cap with the ear flaps. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, I almost wrote that down because I was like, that is something that I have to remember. But. <laughs> It's so funny. That's the thing where, where Riggins, you know, you're saying it's a lot lighter, Russ. He's the one that's becoming the comedic relief of mm-hmm. everything. And, and some of the things he says, he's serious when he says them. Right. But, you know, it's like, you know, yes, that's why it's called hunting season, Billy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we, can hunt, we can hunt whenever we want to. No, we can't, Billy. That's why it's called hunting season. He's like, and I love how Billy just looks at him. He's like, look, dude. Shut up, please. <laughs> I'm going to put your head through a wall. <laughs> and he's got yeah. two guns. Right. Yeah. Oh, then well, he, they took that gun away from Matt. And look, yeah. they were going on some killing spree, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then Matt just starts shooting at stuff. He was shooting in the air, too. I don't know what – deer up in the trees, it looked like. <laughs> um, I thought even little things like – I laughed at, like, Saracen trying to, trying to cheat at Scrabble and – all that kind of stuff, because that just seems like seems like something I would do too if I was playing Scrabble against Anna, my wife, right. and just be like, "Yeah, Zaha, it's vernacular." Anyway, <laughs> let's get back to what we were talking about. Just try to blow it off. Yeah, he's getting ticked off at. Uh, it seems like Julie's choices of um, of colleges there and going far away. Did y'all think it interesting though that you know when Matt was talking to Tim about you know why he stayed and all, and and he said, "Yeah, he stayed for Julie." But it seemed pretty obvious last season that he decided to stay because of his grandmother. Julie even had broken up with him. Right. And he left the uh, um, reception at the Riggins' wedding to go get grandma and bring her back and tell Julie he was staying and everything. Do you think he changed his mind? Or do you think that's just what the writers messed up? Or do you think that was he was just wanting to appear like, yeah, it was because of a girl when he was talking to his football buddy, Tim Riggins? Yeah, I think it's probably, I mean, I think there's probably some truth to it. And it's, you know, Inside, he he might have used his grandmother as a kind of because honestly, we hadn't seen his grandmother very much around. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of him and Julie, but we've seen his grandmother very little. And it looks like that his mom is taking taking care of him. It looks like they're getting along better too, which is kind of cool. Yeah. 
That is good. The other thing about Julie in this episode is, is she supposed to be brilliant or something? Why is she, is she going to be able to get scholarships to all those schools? Cause I really don't think, uh, the Taylors are going to be able to afford to send her to Amherst. Uh, <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, because because you you have to assume that his pay has been cut in half going from Dillon High to West, I mean to East Dillon, right? And um and so and now they got a new baby in in the mix. Yeah, right. so she must be getting some serious scholarships. It, was Brown one of the schools on there? Am I right? Yeah. I remember that. Okay. Oh yeah, it was all of them. Yeah, because she, Berkeley. I love how um you know she's the second fictional high schooler from Texas that wanted to go to Brown. Cause if you remember Dawson <laughs> from varsity blues also, I'm sorry. His name is Jonathan Moxon. Mox wanted to go to Brown. I totally forgot about Jonathan Mox wanting to go to Brown. Yeah. So, um, I, I was wondering about that too, because you know, it, it, forget the fact that Julie has to go to some really nice school. I was thinking about how many miles have been logged on the Explorer. Um, <laughs> Because he, you know, he goes to pick up Vince and Luke from jail, and I was like, yeah. I just remember thinking, I was like, he went to go pick up Lala, uh, I mean, Tyra, Tyra, and he drove back and forth know, to, uh, when he was at the the college back in season two, right? TMU, Texas TMU, Method. yeah. <laughs> it really, it is interesting how the vehicles in that show come to symbolize something because, like that, the the Explorer has come to, to really symbolize like. Salvation, redemption, things things have happened in there. They bring in characters back to Dylan and back to a safe place. And then, you know, the scenes that happen in Buddy Garrity's Escalade or whatever it is that he drives are are totally different. And then when you see, you see uh J D McCoy's fat ride in this uh in this episode, you see that it, it ha it is big and like glitzy and kind of feeds into his new persona too. Yeah, we've seen very little. We've seen very little of JD, and he continues to maintain his his douche status. It I seems. don't know, dude. <laughs> um, I wanna, and, I, and then he runs away. <laughs> yeah, and I, that's he seems like uh, the the main instigator because he's just like, oh yeah, and, you know, he kind of prods Luke, and they just happen to pass Vince, and then he gets in a fight, and they don't even get involved, I guess, because he didn't want to hurt his hand or anything like that. And then, <laughs> then they get in the car and leave him. And those yeah. those cops had to have been like hiding behind a billboard somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> they were there in four seconds after the first punch was thrown. Oh, that's right. I, I I do think for a long time I was after watching the initial episode because I think this is all we've seen of JD besides the first episode, maybe a little bit um, in between now and then, but. I, I was really bothered by JD be, becoming such a such a douche. I guess <laughs> we're trying um, to figure out if that word is is really actually appropriate now, or right exactly. But I can't think of anything else. I mean, he's just a jerk. I, but I think part of it is that you that does happen with kids who go from their freshman to their sophomore year, they go, they undergo like changes where they just turn into people and you're like, who are you? What happened to the good kid that I used to know? Cause he, last year he was, he was a good kid who had a weird family situation and now his weird family situation and him being the man have culminated into him becoming this monster jerk. Right. And uh, so it is actually believable. It wouldn't happen as much with an adult cause they don't have right. so much of a swing, but I believe that if he's going from 14 to or 15 to 16, apparently he's driving. 
Yeah, maybe maybe he got held back. Joe McCoy held him back one year for his athletic. But one of the things I think that's interesting is that he and Luke are, or Luke is still hanging around with his old Dylan Panther teammates. Yeah, and I wonder if a those guys you know bailing out on him right there will have a factor or not. But then two, if Luke becomes to enjoy or at least dedicated to the East Dillon Lions, if that'll create any any friction there between he and his old teammates. I think the walk yeah. the walk will change everything. Yeah, walk plus explore plus knowing which way to go to get back to Dillon. I, I needed more there between those two guys. I mean, I, on one hand, I thought it was going to be contrived for them to, you know, hug and make up and be like, okay, I'll block for you or, you know, I'll. But at the same time, I still was expecting to see more of that walk home or a conversation with it. And two events just pulls out the, the wallet that belonged to Luke out of his back pocket. Do the cops not ask them to enter their, you know, <laughs> everything out when they, before they go back and in, in, in jail? It would have been good to frisk the guys you bring into the jail. Or maybe right. they just don't look for, you know, is this yours or not? They just put it all in a big envelope. But <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, you know, I never even really thought about when that. When you really have it on him at all times. That's the thing. <laughs> Still somebody's wallet. You should stash it somewhere, not keep it on you. It, he did. I mean, he literally did have it on him every single time he got accused of having it on him, you know, because yeah. – Anyway, but that's... Vince has stepped up a lot in his aggressiveness, both with Luke. You see the frictions there that he's created, but then even with uh, with Jess and Landry. That, wasn't, it, wasn't it funny that just Calvin Brown kind of pops up and is like, hey, man, look, Landry's dancing with your girl. And then he's, <laughs> that's it. That's all we hear from him. It's like, oh. He's still wearing that gold chain, though. Yeah. I'll be in my trailer if you need me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like uh, – I really like the, um, the the fact that Vince is starting to respect Coach a little more, though. Because even just he's saying, like, yes, sir, and all that kind of stuff, it seems like that he's starting to see that, hey, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't kind of listen right. to what's going on. Oh, yeah, that conversation in the in jail was great where he's like, you don't mention this outside this room, but you would take just orchestrating how to get him out of jail. But my daddy said, and then he said Shh. <laughs> not a word. I love that. Just like, just there are times when he just takes control of things. Makes me. I wish that Coach Taylor coached the Tennessee Volunteers right now because he could have called <laughs> Richardson and been like robbing a gro- a pilot station with a Prius and a pellet gun. You are stupid. <laughs> uh, I think they'd get, they'd be with Calvin Brown right now, probably. Right. So, what y'all think of the um, the the gay bar outside of uh, Dylan? That, that is really interesting. Um, I, I thought the conversation that they had afterwards, the assistant coach and Julie had, <laughs> makes you wonder: either a is he just not very good at covering up things? Is he afraid he's going to get in trouble? I B, think he's got he, a twin. Does he have a gay? I, twin? I was thinking: does he have a gay twin? That's exactly what I thought. Or a doppel, then, doppelganger. Yeah. He's a. He's obviously uh, has a. He obviously has a little bit of a screw loose, you know, just with the way he acts in practice and stuff like that. So maybe that's just his way of being aloof. But I thought the conversation beforehand, uh, when Devin was asking Julie if she wanted to go, and at first Julie was like, "Are you coming on to me?" And she's like, "No, you're not my type." And then Julie was offended, like, "Oh, I'm not." Yeah, that's weird. But it's okay. A, there's a gay bar. Just outside of Dylan. B, 
I guess you can get in and drink at 18. <laughs> well, they were drinking Cokes, if you notice. But the, with the other girls, I'm not sure about them. Oh, uh, yeah. The ones that may be Devin's type. And B, it's on a school night. <laughs> <laughs> is it? I don't, I don't, is it, I, is it the same that night that Riggins and Saracen go camping? That was that Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing so because, yeah, it was Thursday. And then... Because they, they went camping that night, and then they had the pepper out the next day, which you assume was on a Friday, which would be on the same day as a football game. I'm wondering if they're still setting up for uh, for Jess to come be the punter. Because she oh, talks God. about how much she loves football, and, and it seems like her daddy may be coming around, although I'm still not sure what his... What did football do to that man? <laughs> he hates football. But he got injured. Yes, but... Yes, but... People get injured all the time, and they usually just don't hate it. Right. He likes risk it. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Big Ray. That, I was his his, his name's Virgil, though, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I think the the restaurant's called Ray's Barbecue, but I thought his name was Virgil or something like that. I don't know. But that was some kind of pepper like they put on with the dancing and all, and, of course, I think Landry got stirred up about it, too. But one of the best lines, though, seriously, we were talking about best lines – was earlier when Jess asked him if she could get a ride. He goes, well, you know, I've, I've been down this road before. <laughs> and, and if I give a girl a ride somewhere and then guys call me names, uh, a <laughs> right. word that I'm not going to say right now. Probably the same name that uh, that Luke got called by J.D. McCoy later on in the episode. Right. Um, you know, I, something, I, I thought that was funny too. I thought he was going to break into his giving tree speech. <laughs> I keep giving and giving and giving. <laughs> I forgot about the game. And I'm done. No I'm, more. I'm done. That's so, funny. Help me write my term paper. Just like, just like Vance keeps that wallet on him all the time. Landry yeah. keeps giving tree by Shell Silverstein and is on his person at all It's times. in my backpack right now. Let's read it. <laughs> uh, if, when they were going to the party and the girls got in the back, and they're like, what's this you're listening to? And he goes, oh, and it's this local band. This local that. band, Crucifix Victorious. Just give it a moment. Give it a moment. You'll get there. <laughs> I love that. Because you remember when they, the, in the first, um, I, I think he drove Tyra to the um, to the state championship game in the first season. Right. And I just remember him saying, oh, you know, me and you driving to the game. We'll listen to some sexy Crucifix Victorious. <laughs> I just, I love how he's always plugging his band. And right now it's just him and Devin, isn't it? Or is that uh, is that drummer still in there? I mean, I'm sure he is. He probably just doesn't have screen time. Right. Maybe back at West Dillon. Right. Speaking of people without screen time, I was so glad not to have to put up with that crazy artist guy. That's very in true. This episode that really that really made it much better. Richard Sherman. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And so it makes me wonder. You know, you see the very end, and you, you realize that something's happening with Matt's dad, and and everything. Um, we didn't see the artist guy in there. You see the tension between Matt and Julie, and she's going to be going away for a while. I wonder how much longer we have with Matt, even with, uh, because he doesn't seem to be appreciating working with Richard Sherman. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I guess that we, I don't know if we wanted to wait to talk about this, but let's, I really thought that something was going to happen with Matt's grandma. Oh, I did too. Me too. And you had no – I mean, that really just kind of hit me. I mean, of course, when they opened the door and it's the military people, you kind of knew what happened. But I, I, when that – I thought they were they... going to shoot his grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be a shocking twist. But when they opened the door, you thought, oh, man. You know, it's just, that's, that was 
It wasn't it was Matt powerful. that told his dad to go back to Iraq last. Yep. I mean, was it season one? I guess it was season one because I just remember he said, "You know, it, it, it's just better for you to be over there." Because I watched that episode not too long ago. Um, so I wonder if he'll take some of the, you know, on, put on himself. I guess put some of the blame on himself for his dad's his dad's death. I'm sure he will, but I'm trying to figure out how this plays out in the long run. How this changes the storylines, changes where it really affects him. I mean. Of course, Grandma is going to be heartbroken, and he is too. But it's not like their life. I mean, I guess they probably depend on his salary, some. But I guess he gets the government pension now, so they may even be better off financially for a while. What do you look at things positively, Pat? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Let me try. You know, if they're going to move her into a home or something, maybe they're able to now, and maybe they can move out of till. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to. Well, it looks like his mom is willing to be there to help, right? Out with right. his with uh, right. his grandmother too. So it'll be interesting, regardless, because I, you know, I guess just because we know that uh, Zach Guilford isn't going to be there, but like the first third or half of the season, so something's got to change. I was legitimately stunned. I think everybody kind of expected something to happen to his grandmother, and then we say that really the the big twist is his his dad. Oh. I'm wondering if he's going to join the army, like if he's going to hmm. be inspired by that. Now that his mom is around to take care of his grandmother, if he's going to go, if that's his curtain call, huh. I don't know. Very well, might happen. Uh, we find <laughs> out that Becky is 15. Uh, I guess was because if she's she's not old enough to have her driver's license yet, and so that may color a little bit in the lines with why Tim seems so reluctant to to be close to her. Let's um, hope. I mean, it seems yeah. like he looks at her as like I'm, I'm the big brother sort of thing yeah. now, which is good. You know, I, he's going dress shopping. And you could tell that was not what he wanted to go do, but then he confessed I, that the reason he went into football is because his mother never bought him. A, a that was the dress. funniest line to me too, because you can tell he's really trying to be consoling her, but he has no idea how to be serious and do it. So he just makes it makes a joke and it, it it was funny i thought it was pretty spot on because he, he, you find the whole you know loser with the heart of gold dynamic in that is the fact that he he comforts her in the only way he knows how and that's just right. to make a joke i laughed and I, I thought i thought it was a very tender moment for tim riggins <laughs> <laughs> oh and it seems that uh you know if you remember the first I guess the second episode we did, we, rest we had a voicemail from Lyle up in South Carolina, and he was saying that it seems unrealistic that a coach at East Dillon is not teaching class or something. And Eric actually said when he was telling the, the guys in jail all the things he had to deal with. Right. Great papers. Great papers, yeah. And so That was in his office. Was that in his office when he said that? Yeah, yeah, it was. Because it's when they first got in the little scuffle in the locker room. Oh, that's right. And he made him run bleachers. Right. Actually, my wife picked up on that and said, hey, that was mentioned in the podcast a couple weeks ago. Cool. Yeah. So, oh, and he plans pep rallies. Yeah. <laughs> Part of, yeah. I've got Andy a pep rally to plan. I don't got time for you boys. <laughs> and he didn't do anything at the pep rally. No, Usually he gets up and makes a, makes a speech. I think, I think that's it, a, the sign of a good leader, though, is that you can organize something and then not have to be in charge of everything. Isn't that right? 
Very good. Delegation. Very good. The leadership <laughs> podcast. When you've got Deacon there to uh, to give an inspiring speech about the pride of the lions, I think. That, that was not a speech. That was a prayer. That was the weirdest, one of the strangest. <laughs> nobody closed their eyes and everybody's kind of looking around. <laughs> Jess was still dancing and gyrating over there. Before the Taylors worry about one, Julie doesn't want to go back to church. and need to worry about why they don't close their eyes during the prayer. <laughs> yeah, that seems like something in small town Texas that you'd, you would pray for, right? You know, right. Um, and we haven't talked about Buddy Garrity yet. Oh my gosh, best scene so far this season. Really? When Buddy Garrity shows up at dinner and everybody's so excited, just because he's larger than life. Nobody hits harder than Buddy, Buddy Garrity. That's right. And, Nobody hits harder than Buddy Garrity. That is what I want on the t-shirt. And in Coach's face, you can tell that as soon as he hears his voice, he's kind of nervous about oh, yeah. showing up. <laughs> so, oh, crap. Yeah. And then, like halfway through, when he starts to realize that everybody loves him, he's like, "Hey, Buddy Garrity, how you doing? <laughs> look, look at here, honey. Buddy showed up. Great. Yeah, because Deacon at first goes, "Don't tell me that's Buddy Garrity," and I, that was just after the speech about you people over there in West Side of Town, and you know, looking down at us. And I was thinking it was going to be some big, you know, tension, almost an argument happening. Well, Pat, you talked about this last week. How? how you you don't want him to become a fan. I think they're playing that tension pretty well. Is that he does? It really seems like he still wants to be a Panther, but he wants to do what it's right. He wants to help out this community and his friend and all that kind of stuff. So I I, I think they're still. I mean, I, it could go either way. And I I don't. I I'm like you. I don't want to see him become a fan because that that just seems like it stretches it too far. But he showed the pep rally, didn't he? Yeah, he was yeah, at the he pep did, rally, but he, but he didn't, didn't wear have red. a red shirt. As long yep. as Buddy Garrity doesn't have on a red shirt, I'll be okay. Well, that was one thing I was going to bring up that Tammy showed up and she was in a red dress, stunning red dress. And but she's still the principal at at West. And I think that there are a lot of things happening, obviously, with her job because the library is not getting funding or books, or whatever, because right. of Luke and people are hating on her and writing uh, Panther hater and now slamming Sammy. You know, used to see. Eric driving around listening to Slam and Sammy talking about the Panthers and how he wasn't doing well. And now you see Tammy and she's hearing about how she's getting, you know, thrown under the bus for doing, I was doing the right thing. Did you think she was going to rob that that gas station, that convenience store? That chocolate store. (laughs) Put all the money in a bag. (laughs) Give me all the Snickers. And give me the Cadbury cream eggs that you can have. Actually, that's probably the those things yeah. are awesome. But she never mentioned any of that to Eric. So it's like she knows he's going through so much that she didn't want to put something else on his plate. But where, when they're in the – when they're after dinner that night, he just says you wear a lot of hats. I think that's kind of like his acknowledgement. Yeah. I mean, you know, that seems like the kind of thing I would do too is just say, hey, you're doing a good job. Tammy, uh, is, Tammy is a much better wife than uh, a principal and a politician. She's really not playing that middle of the road very well yeah. at this point. And unless, Eric has, unless Eric has really bad eyes, um, he has to have seen the car in the driveway. Well, and the thing about <laughs> that gone. is she's it driving like, it and like, it must have been like that fake snow instead of like spray paint. They wanted uh, to like spray paint something, but they didn't want to like damage her car. They would get put in jail. Right. Maybe so. And then, but one of the complications with, with that she, apparently she put on the Panthers is that now because of the first game they had to uh, forfeit now they're saying the Panthers have to run the table. So apparently that was a major, major uh, situation there because I can remember the Panthers making state one year having two losses in the regular season. But I wonder if it sets up an end of the 
that the Lions are at the end of the table that the Panthers are now having to run. So maybe the Lions don't win out uh, and do this, but maybe they could be the spoiler for the Panthers being able to make the playoffs. Do you think that's, that's just them being – that just sounds like hyperbole to me because, you know, like how – you know how fans are. Yeah. After your team loses a game, they're like, oh, you know, because, I mean, this is – we live in Mississippi and – Y'all live in Oxford, and you know the Rebels lose. They're like, "Oh, I hope we make it to a bowl game." And they right. win a game. They're like, "Oh, we're the best team that's not playing in the SEC championship game." You know, right. it's, that's it seems true. like that. Seems like that they're just because it's all on the radio. So it seems like that that's just talk of like people being like uh, over the top stuff. That just sounds like over the top stuff to me. I don't know. Arnett Mead has got to come into play. They've been they've been coming oh, yeah. to play every single year. That's the thorn in coach's side, man. He can't beat Arnett Mead. He beat him last year in the playoffs, didn't he? Oh, I don't I don't remember. We'll have to go back and check that. He probably wasn't winning with two minutes to go. <laughs> and then he probably tumbled it out. I thought that he I thought that Arnett and Mead was like the team that beat him. It seemed like that beat him every year. Yeah, I, but I thought it came into the the very last uh, in the playoffs, I thought they met up. We'll have to go back and check. I can't remember. Everything there. Um anything else? I really I liked um I mean there was just some things that I, I just think there's some things that are really classic Friday Night Lights moments. I, I love the the them sitting around talking by the fire, um, yeah, that just that reminded me of I don't know if you maybe you don't even remember, but one of my favorite scenes in the whole series is during the first season when Street and Smash and Riggins and Saracen are all on the field, and I don't know Street kind of teaches them how, Saracen how to throw that that eighteen yard deep out. Oh yeah, it's with four state. Yeah, I just I remember that, and I just, it's just them all hanging out, kind of just. Right. It reminded yeah, like, me of last season when Riggins and Saracen are playing Frisbee in Austin before the oh, yeah. uh, before the you know big game the yeah. next day. Last game, seven. <laughs> hey, he said a dog I, a dog peed on that Frisbee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just that those are the kind of things that I really like. And there were some both coach handled the Luke and Vince drama like Coach would, ha- you know, those are last week. I talked about how we needed to see some vintage coach moments. I thought that was kind of like we got them. Yeah, so, there was a lot in this buddy. episode. Um, there was also that classic line, "Buddy ate my whole damn steak." <laughs> <laughs> oh, in Buddy's line, we go, "Eric, you can't fake boosterism." <laughs> Nobody's what- smarter than Buddy Garrity. Yeah, boosterism. I think is is a new word. Um, Webster's will be adding that. I think in twenty twelve. Yeah, but Brad Garrett boosterism. I'm trying oh. to think of how it can it can be used in other situations, like the boosterism portrayed by the Huguenots <laughs> during the French Revolution. I don't know. All in all, I think it was another good show. I think they're still putting pieces in place. Uh, for for some things upcoming, and I wonder if this if the Stan the coach if his if he has a closeted life if that's going to come into play later on because um, I think Devin getting Julie there was just kind of setting up that with Stan right. it makes sense but then well of course, it's kind of a, it's a catch twenty two for them because neither one of them can really admit to the fact that they saw the other one there but I was surprised she said anything at all is Julie that, is that get, worse than anything Julie's done before though what, I mean like. 
It just seems like that that's not the worst thing that Julie's done. And and that she, now that she's a senior, can just be like, yes, I'm not gay, but uh, I went to a gay bar and drank Coke on Thursday night. It just seems like that's something that she could tell her, tell her parents. I mean, she's already got the tattoo. Yeah. That's true. Um, well, next week, they will not be having Friday Night Lights uh, next Wednesday, I guess, because of holidays and, and whatnot. But um, we'll still try to have a podcast. We'll still be talking about some uh, – we'll be having some uh, looks back at previous seasons and some highlights there. And also, just the state of television itself, we've come across a couple of things, Pat especially, that we want to share. But um, as always, we invite you to be a part of the show. And if you have any feedback, you can call us at 662 662- Two five nine zero one eight five and leave a voicemail. We didn't have any this week. Um, as always, we're on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash FNL podcast. And if you are on Twitter and if you're listening to us now, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you just sent out a, a tweet at some point and said, hey, I'm listening to the Friday Night Lights podcast and give us a little bit of publicity there to be able to spread the word. And any way we can do that that we're not thinking of, feel free to let us know. We want to thank our sponsor, Ford Explorer, for uh, <laughs> Under Armour. Showing their boosterism of this uh, great podcast. Ray's Barbecue. Exactly. Um, And there's probably something else. Oh, and Buddy Garrity Motors. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody hits like Buddy Garrity. Fake snow, some sort of chocolate, and... Speaking of the fake snow, one last thing is how big, how big, how much guts do you have to vandalize the principal's car in the superintendent's parking lot? (laughs) Well, it, not even that, but the way that the angle that was hitting, it right. that seems so difficult. It went from the front, <laughs> top of the hood, across the windshield, <laughs> over the roof, and down the side of the door. Panther Artistry. Pride. Artistry. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was – and it, it was it seemed very symmetrical, but like off-center. I mean, I, I thought that's, that is pretty quality. Almost I think it was, was a big decal. I think it was – it was Richard Sherman or whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> there you go. The artist formerly known as. <laughs> All right. Well, that about does it for this, this episode. We appreciate uh, y'all listening and let us know very, very soon how we can help. Bye. See ya.